This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. And that's the moment that uh, Matt and I wait for. We look at each other and we go, yeah, there's that little, uh, what is that? There's a little fill there. The little little drum beat. little drum beat fill uh, type thing. And that little drum beat fill type thing tells you that uh, the sun is definitely over the yard arm. Mm. Um, And it is over the yard arm. And and, um, and if you are drinking something, um, I want us to... Oh, Christ, I'm getting emotional already. Mm. <laughs> Shit. Um, charge your glasses. Yes. Uh, because we've lost someone. Mm. But I think I'll I'll get to that in a sec because I need to get myself together. I yes. didn't realise I was going to do this. Cam Smith is my name. Yes. And Matt Stebbin over here driving the bus. We should say, of course, thank you to the scientists and... Uh, Thank you to the doctors, but um, the city, the mood in the city obviously is overtaken with what happened on Friday. Um, and yeah, you're right. I uh, I was on the tram today, uh, gliding past Pellegrini's, uh, yes. which um, the doors unfortunately at this point are closed. But resemble a, a great shrine. Yes. Uh, a great floral shrine that we see because we see how much um, people can touch us in mm. our lives. Mm. Um, people of great warmth generosity hospitality mm. and um and i think um there's there's a few things where we we look at i am I'm, I'm i'm i regret to do this but to mm. to look at the power of social media and we were we were talking about just before we went on air matt about mm. how social media is is everywhere and how you get these instant reflections uh, from so many people and I'd like to just draw um, a couple threads that I saw, if mm. I may, Matt. Yes. Uh, Raymond Capaldi, mm. um, who instantly said, whenever you look at these things, you hope it's not someone from our industry. And mm. when he's talking about our industry, um, hospitality, um, in fact, and um, also... Another person who really, really moved me and actually moved me to tears was mm. Joey from Romeo Lane, mm-hmm. who's a neighbour mm. uh, around there and was talking about the incredible generosity of um, the guys at Pellegrini's and Sisto, mm. especially uh, at a time when they were trying to set up and I think, as he said, to quote, working from 6am till midnight, scraping shit off the walls and trying to get the place <laughs> organised and, and the fact that... They were the guys at Pellegrini's were witness to that, and instead of just standing by, mm. they actively went to them. And as Joey said, they mm. filled us with rigatoni, they filled us with coffee mm-hmm. and juices and granitas, which apparently they put booze in because Joey's kind of a naughty guy. <laughs> um, but but that's the thing, and here it is: the fact that. This icon, mm-hmm. I, I said before, Go on. I know because you you know how much I hate cliches. Oh, I, 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 one thing that Matt has taught me over the years <laughs> uh, is that uh, there will be repercussions if too many cliches are used in the hour. <laughs> uh, not only a look, but even maybe a quiet talking too. Yes. And yet you say, but I think in, in the case of Pellegrini's, all of those words, iconic, um, institutional, uh, absolutely applicable. I mean, here's a here's a uh, a coffee. And, and food bar that's been open since the 50s. It's 57. been 
owned by um, Sisto and his partner since 1974. Um, Rightly is on Adorns Melbourne postcards. It's one of the most photographed parts of Melbourne with the famous uh, neon sign. Yes. And it's almost, to me, it's almost like hospitality uh, stripped back to, to its to its soul. It's not a... It's 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 not a classy fit out. It's not a you know modern fit out. It's it's a product of its time, but it has oodles and oodles of soul, um, and that obviously came from the proprietors. One of course who we lost on Friday. And what we were saying before the show is this isn't you know a case of some poor passerby being in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was actually trying to help. He thought um, and, and there was someone this, in distress, and yeah. he he ran towards the problem, which I guess is is a measure of the character of the man. Yeah, and the great tragedies that that led to his demise. Yes, um, we um, we are less of a place um, after after his passing. I mean, uh, for me personally, and I just want to just glance over this because it's you know whatever. <laughs> but mm. um, I I had uh, not the honour. I was there with school kids. We uh, I do tours with mm. uh, Alan Campy. I think you're listening, aren't you? G'day, mate. Um, from Melbourne Food Experiences, I do food tours. It's mm-hmm. one of the things that I do. And uh, a lot of the times we bring in school kids, mm. little kids, and we we hop them up on caffeine on <laughs> on Brazil Rex, and you know what that stuff's like. Um, you know, and I describe it to him. I say, these beans, they're black and they're glossy and they have lots of caffeine. Can you feel that, kids? And the thing is, no matter how busy the place is, and the place pumps, mm. Sisto always had time mm. to talk to children mm. and to, and, and in, in those moments, he personified the warmth of his soul. And the hospitality that that coursed through his veins, and um, and it's it's very sad that he is no longer here. I mean, we we will all have to go on, mm. and you know, our hearts are broken at the moment, but they'll they'll build up again. But um, I know for so many of you out there, the sorrow that you feel um, at this day, and just say that. Um, I weep with you mm. on this day um, and this passing of um, of someone so great and so kind and so generous and who personifies this industry of hospitality, of giving to others. Mm. I mean, there is no greater personification of this. It is 12.09 here on 3 RFM. We haven't even talked about what else we have on the show for no. you. Um as life goes, we 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 do we must go on. Um, but I know that I think I'll be uh, going to Burke Street at the end of this show, as so many have done. Um, it's like a little, as you say, it's almost like a I don't want to use the word shrine. But um, and we hope the doors of Pellegrini's will will open again soon. Yes. Because we need those shots of uh, yes. of robusta to get us going, and also to uh, uh, to <laughs> to give kids a, a real great jolt of their first caffeine. <laughs> probably for a lot of them that they have. So um, we do. We gather ourselves in. We take a bit deep breath here in this world, and um, it's going to be my great pleasure to have a chat to a wonderful chef. His name is David Moyle. Mm-hmm. He's the head chef at Long Song, um, and uh, he will tell you he loves doing ugly food. Garnishes, 
aren't really that important. Mm-hmm. Flavour is, and uh, it's almost like a Miles Davis thing, as someone once said, it's the notes you leave out. Yes. Um, and then, uh, to top off the hour, uh, film sets. Mm. They are the uh, the domain of, of monsters at times. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, I shouldn't laugh, but yes, you're right. That's 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 the modern way of characterising. There be monsters yes. in there, um, and and also the the thing that I've noticed on working on a few um, sets mm. uh, in in my time um, is that uh, nothing will turn off uh, the crew and everybody than uh, when the food isn't all that good. Yes. Boy, they can bitch. <laughs> and uh, we've got someone in who's been keeping people happy and stopping mm. the stopping the crew from bitching, mm. uh, Ed Summers. Um, he works for Hell's Kitchen, and he's, uh, he's a film caterer, and he's going to have a, a few war tales. And, uh, and if you think you've got it tough getting up early in the morning, <laughs> let me tell you, Ed gets up way before you do most of the time. So... We're gathering ourselves up together on this uh, on this sad day. Mm. Um, excuse me if I was a, a little bit emotional, folks. It is twelve eleven. It is three triple R F M that you were listening to. Eat. It's the name of the show. Um, and uh, what are you going to do, man? You maybe play some a bit uh, of music. Maybe some music to start us off with. Let's do it on three triple R. That's it right. Starts with the sounds of the city. Oh, it is the sounds yeah. of the city. There it is. We'll be back after this. Papers at the ready. Yes. Guest across from me. David, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's um, an absolute pleasure to have you in there. Um, I remember um, Mieta O'Donnell. Do you remember her? Yeah, I do. Mieta O'Donnell uh, once said to me, she was describing this um, chef, Valerio Nucci. Yep. You might guess he was Italian. Huh? <laughs> hey, he's, he's Italian. But she said to me, and she used to have this crazy enigmatic sort of Mona. Did you ever meet Mieta? Yeah. She, the Mona Lisa smile, the sort of little weird, you know, and she got this smile. And she'd say, Valerio is great because he knows when to put in flavor, but he knows when to stop. Yeah? Yep. And, um,. And I was sort of thinking about that and um, and getting in that 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 in a way sort of personifies you. We were we were talking um, just the other day. We had some some people, and I was lucky enough to be at Long Song. I'm looking yep. forward to having a chat about that. Yeah. You said you like doing ugly food. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's been an intentional maneuver. Yeah, but but, yeah. but okay. But let's let's flip that coin. Mm. The other side of the thing is overfast. You know, garnish for the sake of garnish type thing. Frou-frou. Yeah. <laughs> free, free of frou-frou. Tell, uh, tell us a little bit about... Uh, when, did, when did you start cooking? Uh, oh, God, that'd be... Well, professionally, 1996. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's a couple of footy school. seasons. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of decades. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, that, I was actually talking about the, the love of ugly food Ages ago, to one of the, to my head chef actually. Like oh yeah, so. who's your head chef? Uh, he's uh, <laughs> sorry, his name's Ned Trumbull. Is he? You reckon he's listening? Yeah, I'll, hopefully. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> Ned, are you there? Yeah, it's a food program. Yeah, come um, on. No, but we were talking about you know the sort of the trying to get rid of anything that's not required on a plate and and how that came about. But sort <laughs> of hark back to a story of being at TAFE and my 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 school teacher. You know, judging a dish that we'd, we'd put up. Yes. And the, the comment that was made on it was it needs more colour. 
And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'll take any anything on board. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I was like, okay, like what? Yeah, like, what colour? I was like, what sort of, yeah, what, yeah. what colour? What colour do you well, want, yeah, dude? A bit of purple? Yeah. Stick some eggplant. For some reason, yeah, I was like, thinking yellow. I was thinking cadmium, cadmium yeah. yellow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, right. we, well, we go, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, but it, so, and the suggestion was chilli. It's like, oh, let's put a chilli on there. It's like, but there's, there's no but there's, chili, there's no chilli anywhere else. Why but would you dude. Want, yeah. yeah. It's like a side dish or something. I don't know. But I just, yeah, I, fi- I find it sort of, I don't. I don't like to add things to dishes that aren't required. Mm. So, so therefore, what is important? Uh, oh, in, well, I mean, ultimately, flavour. But that's mm. you know, like that's that's fairly subjective, I guess, as far as like what people like and what people don't like. But I like to. I don't know. I like to show things for what they are. Yes. I suppose it's probably the main bit. And I suppose maybe maybe we might just talk a little bit about the present, and then we can maybe draw a few threads from the past. So. The present is that you inhabit what I've got to say is just a glorious space. Yeah. Agreed? Yeah, it's you love it? stunning. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people have seen that space before. At the Far out. <laughs> it, was, it was known as the biggest staff room <laughs> in all of cooking, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah. For years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, where are you? What, what is the space we speak of? Well, the space is upstairs in Long Grain. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's called Long Song. Um it's sort of like a bar um, with lofty, element. Yeah, lofty with, ceilings. Yeah, and oh, it, this, yeah. the space is incredible. It, it used to be a, a, a stable, a horse stables for uh, William Anglis, who was a butcher. Back butcher? In, yeah. Pretty successful butcher. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Right. yeah. He did well, huh? Well, that, that, How'd that meat thing go? It's going pretty yeah, well. Yeah, pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Here's my stables. Yes. But the, that building was – they had the, the – the, trucks downstairs or yes the, uh, and the horses were actually upstairs so we're in the space where the horses were kept and this this is it and and that's one of the crazy things about this actual space it's a huge red brick building um with a pitched roof that uh, when you get to the top there's almost like two stories above you with this with this ceiling that you see and in the day of the horse and carriage and a very very wealthy william anglis who became so wealthy that he could become philanthropic? Yep. Um, that's where the horses used to go. There'd be like this staircase, this ramp thing on the side, wasn't it? You could probably put another level in there, I reckon. You could. <laughs> you could <laughs> squeeze could. a story in there. Not and, even a mezzanine. And the horses would come, and there's little cutaways in this um, where you've got. It's like a brick floor, which is kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So they, all the scuff marks are from. The horses when they used to stand in their stalls that were quite small, but they're all yeah. working horses. So they're they're working big, horses, big animals. Yeah, big big things. Yeah. And okay, so here's this big space, um, and so there's all these amazing lanterns above with I don't know these very high tech um, uh, electric bulbs that make to look like they're candles. Yeah, they yeah. sort of. Flicker. You'd love it, Matt. You really would. Yeah. Um, he's, I'm just joking because he's off mic, and I just was able to get him <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I got you. Um, but the main thing of Long Song is the proteins are all cooked on coal, yeah, and yeah. wood, and so it's it's a big open fire pit basically in the centre. Mm. We have no. It's a um, super simple looking kitchen. Yeah, well, I mean, it was by design. We we're trying to have it so that it was you know, more snack sort of food as opposed to sit down and dine food. Mm. Um, so when I think of that sort of thing, I think of I think of grill. Yes, um, and it's a pretty expressive way to cook. 
Um, I've been fairly obsessed with cooking over wood for the past decade or so. Was there was there a moment when you just went, "This is just awesome"? Or, or no, that's, we would have loved that. Was there a moment where you went to a, like a next level of understanding of cooking on? Grills and charcoals. Yeah, I mean, it changes everything. It changes the whole dynamic of how you look at running a kitchen. Mm. So um, your prep time is very different. Um, how you manage, um, you know, like in different dishes and how, you know, it's not – you can't just turn the gas up. you sort of got to have the thing running. At, at sorted. A, yeah, it's exactly. Be sorted, yeah, chef. Yeah. Did you sort the, the fire pit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, no meals for the next 20 minutes. The, yes. There's no fire. There's no fire. Yeah. yeah we forgot the fire. Yeah. yeah. So, but – in I saying to cross that, that off the list, yeah. it's on the mise en place, yeah. <laughs> but in saying that, it brings about, I don't know, you just start to use the heat um, more intelligently and try and not let the heat escape into the extraction without using it as much as you can. So drying stuff and smoking things and, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's kind of like it helps you create a larder as well, so, mm. yeah. How does that work when you say create a larder? Oh, you just, you, it means, well, if you peel the vegetable... Um, in a, a normal kitchen with your timing and everything, it's just the skin and that just goes in the bin. Yes. Now there's looking at composting and so on, which is great. Yes. But um, just when I was in Tasmania, especially, I started looking at food a lot differently with things like that and using those things to either dry or ferment or dry, ferment then dry Yes. and use it as seasonings for ah, yes. vegetables or for whatever. Yeah. So you just start getting heaps of little um, different seasonings you can sit up in the larder um, that you can apply through, you know, throughout the year. Um, and it just, yeah, changes your perspective a little bit, I suppose, mm. cooking that way. You spent uh, quite a bit of time in Tassie, I think. It was originally, I think you thought you were going to be there for about six months. Yeah, that, 10 to that six changed. years. Yeah. It changed? <laughs> 10 to six years. A beguiling place? Incredible. Yeah, uh, I still spend a, a fair bit of time down there. I absolutely love it. Mm. Um, what was the name of the place in Tassie? Yeah, uh, still there. Well, I set up um, a place. Well, it started with a, uh, a, a small restaurant within Pediment Bay mm-hmm. called The Stackings. Yes, and it was like twenty-five seats and you know three other staff other than me. It was twenty-five seats. Yeah, yeah, it was that's tiny, small, tiny. We just cook according to whatever was around. Yes, it, it was. Yeah, it was completely self-indulgent for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess was this one of the? This was a place where you were just given complete free reign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was to add to the culture of the whole business. So we sort of never did it to develop a, a freestanding restaurant. It was to help develop the culture of the existing business, mm. um, which was successful. And it just meant we could engage with, especially in Tasmania, the best growers and the best um, produce are on a cottage level. I guess you'd say. So if you were to try and represent that over across 100 people or so, you'd be running out of food very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and the true, like, it just means you can adjust and tweak and change and be hyper-seasonal. It's one of the strengths and the weaknesses of all that, isn't it, that you have these artisanal, like, seriously, artisan-type t- foods. Yeah. But the fact that it is such limited production yeah. makes it so special and... And but the fact that it's really really hard to commercialise it in in a way that's a great thing. Yeah. But it's also kind of a sad thing too because only a few people can ever really 
Yeah, I mean, you, obviously, fully you get to, to experience a lot of these things. It, well, it turns into like how you cook from your own garden. So, mm. you know, if you're growing broad beans, you're seeing a, a process that's you know, you get the leaves, you get the small beans, you get the large beans, you get the flowers, and you're picking them all at different times. Yep, and they've all got different expressions, so you've got to cook exactly. them different ways. Yes. So I don't know. It was trying to take that expression into a restaurant. Yeah, experience, and you can't do it. Often, well, it's very difficult to do on a on a larger scale. So, um, but it's, but it's great, isn't it? A wonderful thing to remain at that um, those numbers where you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. I yes. mean, that, that's great. That's sort of, that's like really being true to yourself and not in any way selling out. Yeah, and, and compromising that, I suppose, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and just from a management perspective, I wasn't in the. You know, I was developing my own cuisine at the time, so I wasn't going to define something, put it down, write a recipe, have it reproduced. It was more about um, feeling it myself and, mm. and going through that process myself. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty pretty intimate, pretty cool. Yeah, and what were some of the, like, you, you look at that journey that you, you had some of the, the high points from what was on the menu that went across the pass for you? Um, as in dishes that yeah, just come dishes out of that. that you just went far out. That's good. Or I'm oh, really, I really love that. Or how's the flavour I got out of that? Yeah, I mean there was things like I used a, a, there's a, a rock cod down there. That they refer to charmingly as mother-in-law fish. Lovely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks to all the mother-in-laws. Yeah. yeah. But it was they, they literally if they, if you caught it. The, Bash it on the on the deck of the boat and throw it over the side. You know, pointless fish. Why would you bother? Really? Why? Yeah. Really? yeah okay. Oh, just the, the guts bloat. They eat weed. They were sort of scavengers. Yeah. Um, but I started cooking with them and opening them up and looking at the structure, and it was exactly the same as a um, European cod. Yes. So I started salting them and then poaching them back like you would a buckler. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, and yes. just like I don't know, just having different approaches with things, and you can't. It's very difficult to do that unless you're at the coalface, I suppose, or where things are being produced. Mm. Um, and, yeah, we're well, being able to replicate, you know, effectively, um, you know, bakalau pilpil, which is a, a garlic and lemon sauce made from the protein out of a salted cod. But if you've got a cod that's been salting for six years, you're not going to be able to do that because the protein structure is different. It's just cool. It's yeah, yeah, too, it's, too it's fat gone. gone, mate. Yeah, that's right. She's gone. But yeah, you can do stuff like that when you're in a in a small intimate environment, and you get to, to yeah, you get to discover some pretty cool stuff. What about sea urchins? I uh, love sea urchins. Yeah, tell us about sea urchins and how awesome they are. Well, Why are they so good? Well, yeah, I mean, Dorothy Dixon. I'm just handling yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love them. I, I'm, sea urchins for me are the same as oysters. Like they mm. can be. Really good or really heinous. Like. <laughs> yeah, how true is that? Yes. So, you know, and for me, three or four, and that is just the best start to any meal. Mm. But when we first started serving them, because they're a lot of work, yeah. when we first started serving them, um, they're sort of met with, you know, it's almost like you're giving people the challenge to eat them, periwinkles, things like that as well. Mm-hmm. But now they're in, you walk through the Vic markets here. And every fish stall. And people are scoffing them now yeah. at, at the counters, which yeah. is awesome, isn't it's it? Great. It's and it, great. And maybe that sort of shows the way how our, our food is just evolving so well. And you've got to be so proud of Australians in that they are so willing to just try anything. Oh, yeah. Eventually. Well, cal- thinking, you know, thinking back to my apprenticeship Calamari. Years, calamari. Yeah, corn. Yeah. Uh, Bill Marchetti was my first chef. Yes. 
And he always told me the story about when he first got here and he walked down to you know he walked down to the jetties and and offered to buy the calamari off the guys fishing off the jetty that were using as bait, you know, yes. and just laugh at him. But yeah. now it's thirty bucks a kilo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's changed. So um and the other thing that I suppose looking if we go back a little bit, just the whole notion of Tasmania that you said you spent six years and I'm not surprised because yeah. I remember when Tasmania was just known as the Apple Island. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Home of apples, and I think they used to joke about, yeah, apples and W-neck jumpers. Yeah. Yeah? That's unkind. Okay, Tasmanians, I'm so you go, hey, hey. It took me a minute there. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's it's amazing the, just the, the produce that is now coming out of there, the people that have moved there, that have come through there, and it must have been an incredible thing to be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a series of factors that have enabled that. I mean, the, the culture's existed forever, I think. Yes. You know, when I first went down there, there's, the food culture's extraordinary. Um, everybody, I think my first gift was two abalone and some Jersey milk. Really? From the, from the neighbour. Yeah, yeah. Really? I know. I know. Stop Dude, it. Stop it. Stop it. I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What'd you do with the abalone? Uh, cooked them. Yeah, cooked them. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, well, I hope you didn't throw them against the wall. Okay, yeah, well, fucking there, yeah. Well, that was... I'll put a bit of this Jersey milk in my tea and <laughs> thanks for these useless half shellfish. Haven't yeah. you got two shells? What, what would you call that? To do with these? Yeah. Well, how do you cook abalone, just out of curiosity? Oh, uh, now I steam them. Yeah, so... Uh, so if someone gave you some abalone, first of all, black lip, green lip? Uh, different applications. I okay. prefer green lip. Yeah, okay. Personally. Uh, and so what do you do? You, uh, I you, steam them, it's sort of Japanese technique. There's a few different, well, there's a thousand different ways you can do mm-hmm. um, I grew up... Oh, You're from Port Ferry, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so used to you. pull them off rocks, and but we thought that the little muscle that connected to the shell was the only bit you could use. So yes. we'd be throwing about 90% of the abalone away. Yeah, get, 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 <laughs> you get rid of all the muck. Yeah, oh, that junk oh, around that outside of it, yeah. Pierce that off. You just want that big bloody muscle. Yeah. And then, but, then you've got to work out how to make it tender. Yeah. That was the thing, wasn't it? Absolutely. abalone. But the best way I've found was the, the Japanese technique where they steam them and mm-hmm. use the liver as sauce. And For how long do you steam them? About an hour, generally. And then you can slice them and reheat them or do whatever you like with them, but then yes. they're tender and they taste like abalone. And they taste like umami central. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think that's a, yeah, the best way I've found to process them. Yes, and if you were going to do this this sauce that you talk of, how would you make this sauce? Uh, well, when we first established... Uh, Franklin, we were doing a sauce based on uh, dried liver and dried oyster. So you yes. take any of the old um, oysters that you know weren't quite perfect, or maybe somebody had stabbed while they were shucking it, or yep. something like that. And the, then we'd put the, them in the, the fugly ones. Yeah, that's yeah. right. We'd put, the, we'd put them in the um, in the wood fire overnight. Like so, we had this <sighs> massive Scotch oven. <sighs> yeah. Um, and just put it in the oven overnight, and so they just get smoky and dry up. Yeah, and yep. And then you just use it as a powder. Powder dry? Yeah, well, then we just mince it up yeah, okay. uh, in a mortar and pestle and, and bring it back up in, like, a, make it almost like a dashi out of it. And yes. then you drop egg white through the sauce and black pepper. It's a ch- Chinese technique, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, just to, yeah, to heighten those flavours. But it just becomes, again, umami bomb big time. But, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a thousand different applications and how to, how to cook with them. Mm. It's extraordinary to see. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I was saying to, to Matt, Matt hasn't gone to Long Song yet, but you will soon. Yes, I just promised you, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, and you crossed your heart too, which was really, really nice. But um, there was so much that I've um, tried of your food, which are umami bombs that just explode in the mouth. Like um, There was one which was, again, and it shows how Australian cuisine has grown up. In, in the old days, you might get invited round for the leg of lamb. Yep. 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 Uh, they might do the potatoes okay. Yep. Usually murder the vegetables. <laughs> they're green because they've got bicarb in them, right? They're dead, but, but they're alive. We're green. Yeah. And then, for some reason, mint sauce all over everything. Um, yeah. But anyway, so then we, you know, we got to the, the stage uh, where, you know, chops, obviously, um, and then shanks, we discovered we could braise things. And then finally, because the price of lamb kept going up, we started doing things with the ribs. Oh, uh, yeah. The yep. ribs. You go, you go, sorry, you're looking at me going, and your point is, you're getting to a point here. Like, where are you going? Here? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm, we've arrived. <laughs> Boom. I've, 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 I don't know if I've got my hands up in the air. But you did these lamb ribs that I had, which were just absolutely bloody extraordinary because you had brined them in. Yeah, well, it's sort of, it, the, the method for cooking abalone came from, one event that I did on Bruni Island years ago. Yes. I sort of replicated a few things with those techniques that I was, you know, using everything that was around us, basically. Everything um, around you, because you had to, because especially when you're on Bruni Island, there was nothing else, no shops you could go no, to. No, well, it was, it, was, it was actually a really extraordinary event. We did a... Um, Richard Tonietti and Satu Vanska came over and played a, um, a piece that was composed for them and we cooked using only what was there mm-hmm. so abalone wallaby mm-hmm. um and the first time with the wallaby i wanted to get salt into it and there's no salt you know we didn't want to buy salt so i used um the seawater and just brine the wallaby in the seawater mm. and then i started using kelp to cook with and that helps with the seasoning just trying to get stuff to make things taste saltier yeah uh, so the kelp gives a bit more of that umami sort of... Yeah. The, the glutamates as well as the salt. Yeah, absolutely. If we want to look at it that way. Yeah, yeah. scientifically. Yeah, yeah. so, but... Um, <laughs> sure. Mm. And then on Flinders Island, we sort of extracted on that, expanded on that, and um, started cooking, like replicated a, a hungi above ground and yep. used um, the kelp on the base, brined the lamb in, in the ocean, yes. and then put hay over the top. Mm. Um to cook like it sort of steams it in the in the seaweed, and we've sort of replicated that same technique with the lamb ribs in in um, long song. Yeah, but then they get on charcoal, and you get the charcoal flavour oh, and yeah. the browning, and my yeah. god, yeah, it's, you get, then you get Maillard reaction yeah, as well. Exactly, right? you look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, but yeah, but um, but I guess what I'm just trying to say and uh, yeah, compliment you is yep. that just the simple food. Yep. Presented simply and done well can be even more profound than something with all the uh, the, the sound and the fury signifying nothing. If yeah. I could bring Shakespeare. Hello. In <laughs> no, agreed. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I prefer to sort of look deeper into how you get the flavour out of what's there mm. as opposed to adding more to it. Yeah. Um, website, check it out, Long Song. Yep. Inhabit the space. David, thank you so much for coming in and spending a bit of time. It's been Pleasure. absolutely lovely having a chat to you. And you've, uh, you've brought me out of my, um, not my funk, but uh, the sad, profound sadness of the day. So uh, you've lifted up my, my spirit, and I hope uh, you've managed to lift up the others. What do you think, folks? 
Thanks, Sam. That's all right. It is 3 Triple R FM, 12.37. We've got music for you. And we're going to find out uh, the monsters, the divas, how you feed them, keep them happy. 12.43 here on 3 Triple R FM. A very, very good afternoon to you. My name's Cam Smith, and across from me I have... Matt Stedman. Geez, we're going traditional because we're going to back announce the track as well. Yes, we, because I thought, come on, this was good. Good that, track. That was the Avenue of Fade Out Lines from a few years ago. And of course, Cameron, yeah. uh, you can always check out all the songs played on Triple R on the website. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I'll tell you what, our next guest, you've got to get up pretty early in the morning to beat this man. Um, a very, very good afternoon, Ed Summers from Hell's Kitchen. Good morning, Cam. And Matt, how are you? Look, really, really good. And um, I just thought it would be interesting because in all the time we've been doing the show, we've never really spoken to someone about um, catering on film shoots. Keeping the crews happy, keeping the talent, quotation marks, air, qu- air quotation marks, um, uh, happy and satisfied. Because uh, I think Napoleon once said that an army marches on its stomach. Well, film crews and film sets uh, are placated by the food at lunch. It's true. It's it, true. We're, uh, we're normally the first people booked when a, when a job's called and... Um that's the job. And I used to bitch around about, um, and i got a mate of mine, Joe Mungrel, who's listening, and we'd always be going, oh, art department, we're always the first to get here and the last to leave. But no, you guys are the by far the first to get here. There's always, yeah, breakfast. There's normally a few people there before us, not many. That, and yeah, I, and and I actually never even thought about that. So I need to give you some, some kudos in the fact that when... You know, art department's trying to set up for the shot and all that sort of stuff, and they go, right, okay, we can get breakfast now. Yeah, what, exactly. With a what time? Are you, what time do you have to get up to get it get it happening? Uh, well, look, tomorrow morning I'm in Moorabbin at five o'clock, so I'm up about quarter to four. What what job are you doing? What can you tell us? Uh, tomorrow's a kids' TV show. Yes, called The Investigators. It's yes. ABC. Yes, uh, we're doing that at the moment, and along the with talent uh, nightmares. The, oh, <laughs> a whole bunch of kids. Outrageous. Oh, they're terrible. No, so, yes, but so five in the morning in Moorabbin. Yeah, so, and then we're going to Dingley Village to the mini golf, I believe. So, hey. a couple of days of mini golf. Uh, how, how bad can it be? Uh, yes, come yeah. on. That's, that's when you know you're living. <laughs> yeah. And, and, inter- and the interpretation of the mini golf. But, um, so that means that in order to um, get there on site, what time do you get up? What time's your alarm going to go off? Tomorrow about quarter to four. I mean, it, vary, it does vary. We've that hurts. Occasionally, you know, Quarter you get... to four. Not even four. Oh, yeah, yeah. What time do you go to bed? Early. It keeps me out of a lot, out of, a lot of trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was a bit of a career move. And, and a good way to save money, too. About, yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I spend a lot less time in bars now. Yeah. And, uh, and how did you get involved? How did you fall into this line of work? It was kind of by accident. Uh, I had a child. Mm. And wanted to not work so many weekends and nights and split shifts and yes. was just looking around. Because already you else. were involved in hospitality, that, that always, tells us. Always been. Always. Uh, yeah, my, my grandparents had a pub. And, oh, okay, yes. And it was a long road from there. Mm. I only got out for 10 years. I joined a band when I was about 20, and so that kept me out for about 10 years. But then, yep. so then, then you, go, you just come so back So you got the again, late you know? nights. Yeah. You went from the yin to the yang, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, so now I've gone back to the earlies, and it's much better for me. And when did you, what was the first sort of um, film set sort of gig you did? 
Oh, first thing was uh, winners and losers. Some good Australian TV. Yes. Which that look, that's been a staple. That's basically got me in a house and stuff. Yes. Yeah. That and Wentworth. Yes. House husbands. Yes. Seasons and seasons of those things. And so, so what happens? It's it's usually it obviously has to be like a self-contained unit that gets to the site, and usually that's self-contained with wheels. Yeah. So, so I yeah, I took my, took my truck license a few years ago, and we have yeah. a full kitchen. Well, we've got two trucks mm. with kitchens that are. Oh. You know, we cook up to for about 300 people off each one. That's Not amazing. normally that many, but so th- on the big days. So as well as um, being on the move, it's got to be sort of like a, a bit of a masterpiece of design and mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Planning. Planning and <laughs> pigeonholing, like this goes here and that. Yeah, I mean. There's a lot of, yeah, that's that's the probably the hardest thing is, like, I, I did a movie going into winter last year in in the Dandenongs where we our deliveries were hard to get and the numbers were really high so we needed a lot of stuff yeah and it rained and rained <laughs> and the vehicles were bogged it was, they were it was bogged quite and bogged and quite the event oh my god but uh you know we got through it was great yeah so uh, so what sort of stuff is um take us for a tour we've we've come aboard the bus Obviously, there's the front bit with the driving pit, and that becomes superfluous once you've put the handbrake on. Yeah. And, and then, then you go into the back of the, the other part of the bus where what's in there and how, where, how is it sort of organised? We've got so one of them you go in on the left is kind of bench, large benches. Yes. That's always the main thing. That's your kitchen. prep space. And a double sink. Yes, double uh, sink. Yeah, we'd have to have that. You've got to, you know. You know we don't have a dishwashing machine because the power consumption mainly is the problem there. Yeah. Uh, Not a lot of free, we, free we use phase. all the power for the for the ovens and the yeah large gas bottles and three phase power for the oven and all of that. And is that supplied by a generator, or is yeah, it on yeah. battery? It has to be yeah, generator. Yeah, you got to be generating. The you unit, unit people come. They they give us yeah. the power and the yeah. Matt's just giving me the chairs and the Freddy look. And they're actually the first people there normally. Yes, but I often beat them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you bring the Herald? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not out. Yeah. So okay. So left hand side prep. Um, we've got power that's providing all the stuff for everything. What's on the right hand side? Uh, dry goods. That's all cupboards, the storage more stuff. More bench space and okay. Yeah. So, so this is where you put stuff. Yeah, so the- so the actual left is the the flow. And of- one has a cool room in the, in the truck, and the wow. o- the other truck we tow a cool room. Yes. With us behind. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen those a lot on on, yeah. the, on the film shoots and and stuff like that. And um, so the other thing is that, again, you you got to keep the crew happy because it is. It's this punctuation mark where everybody gets together and you also get to see the incredible hierarchy of, yeah, of yeah, the sets because totally. uh, the director doesn't sit And they're basically the, the same people again yes. each day, which, which mm. is a thing. Mm. So, and, uh, so what is the secret that you found to keep everybody happy? Oh, you've just got to be on time. Yes, yeah, so it has to so, be nice. Yeah, know, it's just got to be good. Have a good vibe. Honest food. We change. You know, we have a lot of different types of days. We'll do a theme often. Mm. It keeps it good for us. Yes. Uh, so we might have a Japanese day or a Japanese, Korean, Russian. Yes, Russian. Caribbean. Anything. Oh, anything. Oh, we Russian. Can, we do uh, a bit of borscht. Like an African, there's a, a girl that works for us who's from uh, from Africa, so we do a day yes. 
do all, anything, anything we can think of that we fancy doing. Mm. Like sometimes there's a bakery locally that we can get a load of particular bread from. Oh, that's good. Injera yes. bread or whatever, and we'll just do that. And oh, do, wow. Okay. Do a menu based around it, you know. And so I guess, so you've just thrown out a whole bunch of different, a kaleidoscope of different flavours, and I suppose that's the other thing is that it's got to be varied. I mean, you can't just do a piece of salmon and it can't the chicken. can't be the same every day, no, otherwise yeah, the salmon people and the talk, chicken. you know. Salmon and chicken. Again? Ah, and they will. They'll mutiny, won't they? Yeah, 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 totally. And um, is it true that some of the talent can be a little bit difficult? I would never say that. <laughs> uh, we're obviously, yeah, we're obviously but, not going to get it out yeah. there. All right, well, here's a man who uh, keeps his cards close to his chest, and that's why he keeps working. We're going to be back with Ed Summers. You're on 3 Triple R. It's 12.52 in the afternoon. We'll be back after this. Ed Summers is who we're speaking to. It's about keeping the crew happy and, uh, well... The whole sort of ship of state, in this case, of uh, providing film, of uh, sound, vision and all that sort of stuff to a happy crew. Sometimes it doesn't go to plan, though, does it? Not always. And no, you alluded please. to this. You were talking about, um, what was this, going going up the mountains in the Dandenongs? Or yeah, something? so we did a movie called Judy and Punch uh, last winter. Judy and Punch, I see what they did there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, was, it looks great. It, it was very violent, mainly. Oh, was it? Um, so is, so is the, the puppet play, though. Jeez. Exactly, Whew. exactly. Okay, yeah, anyways, yes. So we, we turned up there very early and drove along what, ended up being a four-wheel drive track in the dark at kind of 3.30 in the morning. Mm. And, uh, and then it just rained and rained, and we were parked up all week, and the mud was just getting deeper. And uh, it looked like there was no way out. We said, were. build an arc. And uh, <laughs> after, after a lot of looking, we'd been looking at a pile of firewood over the road, and there was a giant ditch between us and the road, which was the problem. Oh. And we, we filled in the ditch with the firewood and put track mats over the top and then on the Friday afternoon went for it and drove over our homemade bridge. Yes. Back to back to civilization. It all <laughs> went well at the finish, but it was quite a... Uh, it, it was a bit of, uh, yeah, t- yeah hold, touch and go. Hold on to your arsehole, here we go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I can imagine that... Um, you are um, completely dependent on um, foreign sources of power. Well, the you know the generators and stuff like that. And I imagine if the power goes, yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah. Has that, has that happened at all, at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generators aren't 100 percent reliable, and gas bottles run out. Yes, and gas deliveries often don't come. And, um, I, and I can say that probably one of the most disheartening things in your heart goes in your throat is when you see. You know, you've got a good gas flame, good gas flame. Oh, yeah, and a little and bit of gas, ice at the bottom of the bottle and it's or, gone. Or, or then, but you just see it sort of go, <laughs> as it slowly is getting yeah. less and less, like a ship going into the horizon. All of that, that happens. Would, and then you just, uh, fortunately, we've normally got two power supplies. Yes. So there's electric and gas. And oh, Matt, Matt would like to be with that. He's, so you're a big one of redundancy. Redundancy. Yeah, that's yeah. what you need. Redundancy, yeah. Yeah. Chef. Redundancy. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's yeah. an important thing to you. Yeah. Oh, look. If, if the power goes, you're out. You know, there's there's nothing else. And what about um, if I can, uh, folks? Can you just hold your your hands over the kids' ears, please, just for a sec? 
What about a your fucked meal? Like, you know, when everything's just gone and you need, like, do, do you have, like, the Vesta situation or the dehydrated thing that you can just add water to and it's okay? Or There's, look. That's like triple redundancy. We always kind of have, what, pasta, couscous, those kind of things. Yes. Because there's got to be and, food. And, and when have, the you, have breaks, you had to go to the that part of the, the larder, shall we say? Not often. Yeah. Not often. Well, you know, uh, you hope not. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, normally everyone, we're, we're good. We're a good team and uh, mm. we normally have it. You see the thing, the problems coming before they're uh, a total problem. Yeah. That but it, there's so many days when they decide they want to come to lunch early because that's flexible mm. and they make the call. We right. just have to be ready. Okay, we've gone into the the bad part. Yeah. Let's let's bring it back into the sunshine, shall we? Because I think that's a better place to be. Um, you describe the truck that you have as obviously being totally adequate for the things that you need to do. Yeah. Tell me about the perfect, the most amazing food truck you would ever have. What would you have in your perfect food truck? I don't know, like a pizza oven or probably a bigger window. A big window. Okay, there's a start. All right, we're putting the order in. Maybe a sunroof and a yeah. bigger window. So that you could, some days you're in beautiful places. You know? yeah, My favourite thing, on, on occasionally I'll be sitting down on a nice bit of the beach somewhere at dawn having breakfast because mm. we've just done breakfast and it's just sitting there on the beach drinking coffee and, and eating croissants or something. You know, it's nice. And that can be sort of – there is sort of the, the chill-out time that you're able to sort of have in, in always, this? Always, always. We're very careful. We always sit down for breakfast and sit down after lunch. I know a lot of the other caterers don't. They blast straight through. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we're, we're very much – you've got to enjoy your time. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really, really good ethos, Ed, that, yeah. um, as well as working bloody hard – that you get to smell the roses. Oh, oh very much. Cliche. Have to put the thing in there. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were uh, we were allowed a little bit of um, cliche uh, today. Ed, good luck getting up early. Well, what have I got to say? You you'll find at it. Yeah, you got got it sussed. Um, thank you so much for coming in and having a chat and giving us a, a little, oh, just a little slice of of your life on uh, on set. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been nice to meet you. Maddie? Cameron? We uh, we need to get a move on. We're going to go and get a pizza is our plan. It's a pretty good one. Uh, yes. For those of you who aren't getting a pizza, uh, Neil's up next here on Triple R. We're still here. Yes. Uh, next week, we're not sure what's on the show. I'm um, just looking ahead. We um, do know. It's I think we've got the Prosecco Queen. Melissa Brower uh, uh, is coming in. Michael Harden yes. uh, was supposed to come in, but he said... <laughs> I've double booked myself. You'll just have to carry on. I said, look, we'll be brave. So, and um, uh, Darren Purchase too has a book out, and he'll be on twenty fifth, twenty fifth, twenty fifth. In and I've told him that he's uh, got to wear his uh, ridiculous Christmas jumper uh, on there. No, you should see. So, I'll, I'll, Ed, I'll show you a picture. It's 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 terrible. It's it so bad. But anyway, um, uh, look out for for pictures of that. You have been listening to Eat It on Three Triple RFM. Yes. Neil, you ready to go, buddy? No, he's, go. Having, he's having a chat. He's having a chat. <laughs> he is. Well, we will pass you over to him. Maybe we'll just, um, why don't we just leave you to just play yeah. out the music? And uh, maybe just as we do this for that little bit of music, maybe we'll just have a little thought um, about someone very, very special who mm. is we've lost. And um, and God bless you, Sisto, um, mm. for all you've done for us and uh, 
and kept us going. Thank you very, very much. It's one o'clock. Thank you. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.